Well, good morning. Happy New Year. Nobody. Okay, yeah, it's a rough start. All right. Uh, We made it. It's 2018. Congratulations on your perfect church attendance so far this year. See, see how we do moving forward. Hey, if you're a guest with us this morning, I want to send a special welcome to you. You picked a great Sunday to start coming to church because we're starting a brand new initiative, as we've already talked about, called 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. And the reason we do that is because we believe that prayer is the difference between God's best and our best. And as leaders, we just feel like that uh, God's best is always better than our best. So we want to start out each year trying to line ourselves up with how God might want our year to look. We just happen to believe that when we pray, God hears our prayer. And if our prayer lines up with God's will and what He's wanting to do in our lives, then He's excited to give us a yes when we ask. So ultimately, today is kind of special because it's our huddle right before kickoff. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, Football coaches don't just gather their guys up and say, hey, game time's at 7 o'clock. If you guys could just get here, maybe tin tail, we'll meander around on the field and just kind of see where everybody's at. No, they... They get together and they lock in the locker room and they fire their guys up. They remind them, hey, we can do this. We're going out here to win. This is, this is what practice is for. This is what the hours on the, on the practice field were meant to be to prepare you for battle. Nobody's in the tunnel going, hey, why are we even here? No, we should just, just take off right now. Maybe, maybe go fishing or something. You know, this is hopeless. We shouldn't even play the game. I guess in hindsight, maybe OU was doing that on Monday. Uh, was that too soon for some of you? Listen, I'm a KU fan. We haven't seen a bowl besides a toilet bowl in I don't know how many years, so I, I don't want to hear about it from any of you all. But, but listen, seriously, that, that time right before kickoff where the guys are getting fired up, that's kind of what today is for us. I want us to center ourselves on why we should pray and fast and perhaps set some expectations for what our lives can look like moving forward. And hopefully it'll get us in the right frame of mind to, to kind of see what these next 21 days for us might look like. This could be the best day of your life. God could do a miracle in your life and you could trace it all back to today. Do you believe that? God wants to do something for you. So if you brought a Bible, and I hope you did, you can go ahead and grab it. We're going to chat a little bit about uh, how we chose 21 days for the duration of our prayer and fasting period. For us to do that, you'll need to find the book of Daniel. Daniel is going to be in the second half of your Old Testament. There should be a table of contents there at the beginning of your Bible. If you don't know how to find Daniel, you can look there. There should be a page number for you. You want the big number 10. Three questions that we're going to answer today. How, why, how, and what? Why, how, and what? Why do we pray and fast for 21 days? How do we go about doing that? And what do we do during that time at all? Like, what does this even look like? What do we pray and fast from? Why, how, and what? First, why do we pray and fast? Daniel 10, we're going to pick it up right in verse 1. It reads, In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, had another vision. 
He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. All that time I had eaten no rich food, no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. In other words, he was fasting from luxuries in life, things like food and wine and comfortable living. Verse 4, on the 24th day, as I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me. My face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. Everybody says they want to see an angel. Have you ever been there? You want to hear from God? You want to see God? Well, this is what it looks like. Okay, you're terrified. You fall on your face. And then I heard the man speak. And when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. Just for the record, so are you. You can put your name into that passage. Landon, you are very precious to God. Whatever your name is, it's true. You need to look no further than the cross of Jesus to understand the implications of this verse. That you are precious to God. Daniel, you are very precious to God, so listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up still trembling. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. I've come to answer your prayer. Daniel's humble prayer was heard from the first moment that he spoke it. Don't miss that. That's the key to unlocking your prayer life, to pray humbly. When you pray humbly, your prayers are always heard by the Lord. Verse 13. But for 21 days, you can circle, star, underline, highlight, the spirit of the prince of kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. And I left him there with the spirit, prince of the kingdom of Persia. You see, even when it seems that God is not answering our prayers, we do not know what's going on behind the scenes. There's a very real spiritual battle going on. Just because God is silent doesn't mean He's absent. He heard Daniel's prayer. But for 21 days, he didn't do anything about it. We'll talk about that in a second. Verse 14. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. While he was speaking to me, I looked down at the ground, unable to say a word. Then the one who looked like a man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing in front of me, I am filled with anguish because of the vision I have seen, my Lord. I am very weak. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. Then the one who looked like a man touched me again, and I felt my strength returning. Don't miss that. It's when God is lifting you up. Don't be afraid, he said, for you are very precious to God. Peace, be encouraged, be strong. Love that. 
Why can you be encouraged? Why can you be strong? Because even though God's purposes are fought against, He will always prevail. Your prayer life is about God and God working. He's strengthening you. And perhaps the best news I can give you today is that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Right? God is on your side. So the reason why we chose 21 days is because the breakthrough for Daniel came at day number 21. And we just happen to believe that God is the same yesterday today and forever. So what if your breakthrough would come after 21 days? I mean, in reality, there's nothing magical about the number. You might pray for something and it happens right away. You might fast for something and it happens after two days, but we just felt compelled by scripture to give God our first 21 days of the year and just see what what sort of spiritual breakthrough he might have for us. So why 21 days? Because we're trying to be consistent with God's character and what's revealed to us in scripture. But you might be here asking and thinking, man, for, Pastor, forget 21 days. Why should I pray and fast at all? I'm just not into that stuff. It's just not my, my personality to, to kind of get into this prayer and fasting sort of deal. Okay, Matthew 9.14. One day, the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we do and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, Do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Then they will fast. Jesus says, when I'm not physically on this earth anymore, then my followers will fast. That's where we're at. Jesus Christ, who was born of a virgin, who had no sin in him, who took our sin upon his shoulders as he was executed on a cross who after three days he was buried and then rose, thereby forgiving us of our sin because sin leads to death. And he conquered not only sin by living a sinless life, but he also conquered death. So our sin can be forgiven. He's no longer on this earth. And because of that, he's commanded us to pray and fast. Here's what you can jot down if you're taking notes. Prayer and fasting is not a personality type. It's a type of obedience. Prayer and fasting is not a type of personality. It's a type of obedience. I'll say it this way. This is not a disposition. This is a decision. It's not a disposition that you have. This is a decision that you're going to make. So for you to say, well, I appreciate all that God has done for me, but I'm just not the type of person who can get into all this prayer and fasting stuff. Wrong. If you want to be obedient to God, this is part of that process. So short answer, why do we pray and fast? Because God told us to and we want to be obedient. Why did we choose 21 days? Well, it worked for Daniel. Maybe it'll work for us. Nothing magic about that number. Now, number two, how should we pray and fast? One word, fervently. Fervently. How do we pray and fast? We do it fervently. I think if you study this idea of answered prayer in the Bible, which just for the record, there are 450 recorded answered prayers for us to look at in Scripture. But the overarching theme within those is that God works in His time. We have to remain faithful and trust God to do what only He can do. So we must pray fervently. 
Look, Daniel had no idea what was actually happening behind the scenes of his prayer and fasting. It was only after this angel showed up and explained to him what was going on that Daniel realized, oh, my prayer was heard immediately. There was just a spiritual battle going on. And that prevented me from getting an answer. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, this begs the question, well, why was there a spiritual battle going on? I mean, God and Satan are not equal. They are not independent forces. Satan is no match for God. So then why did God allow this struggle to go on for 21 days? It's not explicitly answered within the text, but here's my contention. It doesn't seem that the timing of this had anything to do with Daniel's personal growth. He has proven up until this point that he is a man of steadfast prayer, right? The whole lion's den thing, that's already happened. He's proven this over and over. So although we can't completely dismiss the possibility that God is doing this for some sort of character development because God's refining process is a lifelong endeavor, uh, but that does not seem to be the likely thing happening in the text. What seems to be happening is Daniel's praying and fasting for some events surrounding his people's captivity. We know that if we look to the prior verses. He's praying for Jerusalem to be restored. So why is Daniel's answered prayer being thwarted? Because the devil knows the final answer that God is going to give is about the devil's defeat. Once Jerusalem is back up and running, the devil knows his days are numbered. In the end, this is an encouragement to all believers that one day evil is going to be stamped out. And although this victory has still yet to happen, this is also a good reminder that when we pray, things happen even when things don't appear to be working. We have to keep close to the Lord. We have to remain fervent, remembering all that He has done for His people throughout thousands of years of human history. Amen, somebody. God moves. God works. But let's get super practical. Okay, How do we pray? I firmly believe that the reason most people don't enjoy praying is because they don't actually know how to pray, which is why I want each of you to take one of these booklets home with you, 21 Day of Prayer and Fasting booklet. We've got a number of different prayers outlined in here, how to pray. There's some on all the back tables. If you didn't get one on your way in, please uh, take one on your way out. But let me give you a couple helpful things for you moving forward today in its simplest form. Prayer is simply communication with God. But how do you communicate with someone you don't know? You really can't, not in an effective way. So what I'm getting at is prayer without knowledge is lacking. And where has God revealed Himself to us most? In the Bible. So I encourage people to pick a specific time and place to get alone with God and read His Word and then communicate with Him. If you don't have that, we've made that available for you. So our offices starting tomorrow will be open Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. before work. Come, get alone with God. Pray. Read. It's a come and go thing. So you don't have to be there the whole time. Just pick a time. There's your place. And do what God has commanded us to do. Now there's lots of types of prayers listed in the Bible. I put a few of them in your booklets, but there are prayers for faith. There are corporate prayers, which is what 
we do here, which is also what you could do at the office and get around other people. Like if, like if you want to be prayed for, that would be a great time to be prayed for because there's going to be leaders and elders there in the mornings to, to pray for you. There's going to be a list of things that you can pray for, pray for there as well. But there's our, there are prayers of request in the Bible. These are known as petition or supplication. So you're petitioning God for something. You're asking, asking Him for something. Or, or the supplication is you're asking Him to supply something to you. There's prayers of worship where we're just praising God for all the good that He's given. It's like a thankful thing because God is, is a giver of good gifts. There's prayers of dedication. There's prayers of intercession. So when you're in, interceding on somebody else's behalf. So, so if you know somebody is sick, you're praying for them. If they need something in life, you're praying for them. That's intercession. So once you have a specific time and place to pray, I would encourage you to utilize a few moments reading and then try one of those prayers out that are within uh, Scripture or in your booklet. But you can't just talk the whole time, right? Nobody likes that guy at the party who just talks the whole time. He's got a story to top everybody else's story and, and nobody wants to hang around with them. Well, what makes you think God's any different? We're made in His image. He wants to speak to you. He doesn't want you speaking the entire time, so uh, you got to take some time to listen. What I find somewhat interesting is that prayer and fasting, it's not a type of personality, it's a type of obedience. Well, the Latin word for obey is the word obedire, which literally translates to give ear. In other words, listening and obeying are very similar. You know this in your daily life. You'll find that it's true if you think about different circumstances you've been in. If you're uh, married, you've had a lively conversation, you know what I'm talking about, with your spouse, then you know what I speak of. Listening is obeying. Our natural reaction is to raise our voice, but that rarely works. That's because the solution is shutting your mouth and opening your ears. So trying to listen to them, well, what are they really trying to communicate to me? Well, what if the solution for a breakthrough from God was you listening? I read a fantastic book about this. I would highly recommend it. It's called Whisper, How to Hear the Voice of God. Uh, Mark Batterson is who wrote it. But here's what he had to say on this whole idea of listening. Check this out. It's hard for us to imagine that the solution to our problems is listening. But listening is the litmus test. To fully appreciate its importance, a little ear anatomy is necessary. Sound waves crash into our ears like ocean waves on a beach. The outer ear functions like a funnel catching the sound. After traveling through the ear canal, hitting the ear drum, the vibrations bump into three of the tiniest bones in the body, the hammer, anvil, and stirrup. From the middle ear, the vibrations spiral through a snail-shaped tube called the cochlea which contains thousands of microscopic hair cells that amplify sound along its way. From there, the eighth cranial nerve transmits impulses like Morse code to the auditory cortex in your brain where pitch, volume, tone, distance, direction, and meaning are translated into actionable information. Listen to me. Don't tell me you've never experienced a miracle. Right? You experience one every single time that stupid fire alarm goes off. You've got to find that infernal beeping. Have you ever thought about that? 
you can hear where it's coming from within seconds of the sound. And think about everything that had to happen in your brain for you just to hear the sound. It's amazing. You guys aren't excited about it as I am. That's okay. All right, this is what I get paid for, I guess. Listen, it could be your breakthrough. Listening, it could be your breakthrough. But here's another interesting thought for you. If you're having a hard time praying and listening, maybe you need to alter your posture. Although prayer can be and should be done from any bodily position, the Bible does list five specific postures. There's sitting, there's standing, there's kneeling, which our boy Daniel did quite a bit of. There's prostrate with one's face to the ground. And then there's prostrate with one's hands lifted up to God. Maybe it's a posture issue for you that you're not hearing from God. There's a story I read that says in 1940, Dr. J. Edwin Orr took a group of Wheaton College students to study abroad in England. One of their stops included the former home of John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist movement. In one of the bedrooms, there are two impressions on the floor where it is believed John Wesley regularly kneeled in prayer. As the students were getting back on the bus, Dr. Orr noticed that one student was missing. Going back upstairs, Dr. Orr found a young Billy Graham kneeling in those knee holes and praying, Lord, do it again. I think we can all agree it worked for Billy. (laughs) Maybe it would work for you too. Think about the duration of time it would require for you to put knee holes in your wooden floor simply by praying. It's a long time. It's years and years of praying and kneeling before God and surrendering yourself to His will. So I'm talking about when I'm saying pray humbly. You humbly submit to God. Maybe changing your posture, you could experience some different results in prayer. But here's what I'm getting at. By meditating on the Word of God, we get to know Him better. We know better what to pray. His will becomes our will. We understand His will. We better understand Him by understanding His story of redemption, which is the one story your Bible tells you that God is trying to redeem you back to Himself. And by listening to Him, it strengthens us and it guards us against sin. Furthermore, when we know Him, we know how to listen. And if we're having a hard time hearing, maybe it's a posture issue. So change it. Point number three. What should we pray for? What should we fast from? Well, let's start with the prayers. What should we pray for? Whatever you want. Listen, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. It would probably be different for everybody. But might I submit to you that you could start by praying for our country. You could start by praying for our nation's leaders. Did God not say when His people humbly pray that He would move on their behalf? You could pray for me as a pastor. You could pray for the elders who are the spiritual heads of this church. You could pray for the leadership team. You could pray for our families. You could pray for your family. You could pray for your children. If you're sick, you could pray for healing. 
I firmly believe that God's still a healer. He made your body. He knows what's wrong with it. You have not because you ask not, the Bible tells us. Are you fervently praying for healing? You can pray for a miracle in your finances if your finances are a wreck. You can pray for a spouse if that's what you're longing for. You can pray for your spouse if your marriage is a disaster. You can pray for yourself to be a better spouse to your spouse who's being a disaster. Come on, somebody. God might do something in you and then in your marriage. The key here, as Daniel showed us, is humility. We humbly submit ourselves to the Lord and we offer our requests to Him. When the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, one of the the lines that He said is, here's how you should pray. And then He said, as it is in heaven, so be it on this earth. Are you praying for that? That God, Your will be done in my life, in the lives of the people around me. Humbly present our requests to God. Now, how do you do that? Certainly not by being selfish with what you're praying for, but another way that you can do that, humbly pray, is through fasting. Can we explain fasting? Fasting is a fancy Christian word. It just means to abstain from something. It's giving something up so that you can get closer to God. The idea within Scripture is that you give up uh, your first love in life so that you can get to your true first love in your spiritual life, so that you can get closer to God. Now, you're thinking, well, Pastor, what should we abstain from? Again, I genuinely don't know, whatever it is for you. But might I submit to you what... uh, you should give up is whatever you feel like is a luxury in your life that's keeping you from focusing on God 100%. For me, this is my story. You do not have to do what I'm doing, but this is how I felt compelled to pray and fast. So what I do is for 10 days, I just drink water. I don't eat any food. That's a luxury that I want to abstain from. And then I take a little bit of a transition day where I get some broth in my system to get some calories back up. And then I, I do what's known as the Daniel fast, which is kind of outlined for us in Scripture. It's also outlined in your 21-day of prayer and fasting booklet if you want to do that. Uh, but it's simply no meat, no dairy, no sugar. So it's like vegetables, nuts, uh, fruits, those types of food. Now, let me also say fasting can be hard on your body, so you might need to consult a doctor before you jump into a fast, but for me, that's what mine looks like. Ten days of water, kind of a transition day, and then ten days of, of the Daniel fast. Now, why ten days? Because ten within Scripture is the number of testing, if you study the idea of, of ten. Uh, it's tithing, you know, ten, the Ten Commandments. Uh, Daniel, for ten days, he said to the, the commander of the eunuchs, hey, test me in this for ten days. So I just feel like I'm humbly presenting myself to God, saying, hey, for ten days, test me in this. Let's see what can happen uh, through this 21 days of breakthrough. But uh, there's also some physical benefits to fasting, not just spiritual benefits. Okay, I could have given you a dozen different uh, resources to talk about things like weight loss, increased insulin sensitivity, which means no more type 2 diabetes. If you have adult, adult onset diabetes, there's lower blood pressure. I read one story that the guy argued that his cancer, and it wasn't a spiritual uh, article that I was reading, but he got rid of his cancer 
by fasting. He was a German guy. He was 60 years old. He got diagnosed with prostate cancer, but he was a, a marathoner. He ate healthy. He's like, there's no way that can be. So he somewhere read this idea of fasting. And so over the course of the next years, uh, he'd fast for 10 days. He worked all the way up to 40 days of just water. And his, his cancer was in remission and, and people couldn't figure it out. Did God heal him? Maybe. Was it the fasting? Maybe. Who, who knows? But he humbly submitted himself before God, and, and, and some things happened. So, just because I'm doing that particular one, again, does not mean that you have to. There are a lot of things that you could fast from. There's a lot of things keeping you close from God. Social media, anybody? How many hours you spend on that? TV? You know, give some of these luxuries up for a season and then, and then see what God does for you. But the big deal is you've got to have a plan for whatever it is you decide to fast. Again, there's some plans listed for you in your booklet. But here's, here's the best plan that you could have. Find somebody to do the fast with you. Positive peer pressure. And we do this as a family. Last year we made the kids give up 10 days of TV. I mean, you thought that all hell was breaking loose at the Jordan house, you know what I'm saying? Like, we had to find games and, like, stuff to do. I mean, it was a disaster. Don't, I mean, don't do that. Uh, but no, it was good. It was good for all of us. And I, I would probably say that we're going to do that again. The kids said they wanted to give up playing phones and iPads. I don't know, because they'll just start watching TV uh, more if we do that. So we might do the whole TV thing again. But again, best plan moving forward do this in a group. Do this with somebody. Have some accountability for you. So here's the deal as we close. This is what you have to hear me say. You can do this. This is not that hard. This is about you humbly submitting before God and seeing what God will do for your life. I firmly believe God wants to move on your behalf. Amen, somebody. Humbly submit before God. You got some stuff happening in your life? Give it to God. See what He does. God's not trying to keep anything from you. He wants you to have the best life possible. That's why He's given us all the good gifts like good food, like fajitas, (laughs) tacos, guacamole and cheese. Listen, I started my fast early. I'm actually on day number seven of just water, and I've been lusting after food. I'm excited to start eating. Again, I'm going on a trip, so I wanted my 21 days to be done before I uh, landed in this other country that I'm in, well, Bolivia, because we're planting that church there. Uh, we're helping Compassion International, so I'm going to get to see how it all happens. So I want to be done so I can experience everything that Bolivia has to offer. I don't know what I'm going to eat down there. My body might be uh, a train wreck before that, but I want it to be done, so I'm, I'm on day seven. But God's given us all these great gifts for us to enjoy TV, social media, uh, whatever it is for you. Don't say you can fast from your kids. That's not an option, okay? I'm going to give up these kids. 21 days, pastor, is the greatest news I've ever heard. No, that's not, a, that's not one of the things. Uh, but God's given us these good gifts for us to enjoy. But sometimes we make a good thing a God thing. And we replace God with this good thing, and that's not how it's supposed to work. You've got to line yourself up with what God wants for you. 
The problem for most of us in this room, I think, is that we have no idea what we really want. Due in large part because we sacrifice our desires at the altar of other people's expectations. We settle for should. We settle for have to instead of want to. And then we wonder why we don't feel the joy of the Lord. It's because we're listening to the wrong voices. You know, there's a study done, a guy who, who creates Hallmark. He went around to all these different schools and he would teach them how to be creative because uh, you've got to be creative when you're making Hallmark cards. And, uh, and he, he'd go to these classrooms and, and he'd talk to first graders. And he'd say, how many of you are artists? And every single person would raise their hands. And then he got all the way up to the point until he was in eighth grade with these people. And then he'd say, how many of you are artists? And only two of them would raise their hands. What happened throughout those years? The kids started listening to the wrong voices. They wanted to fit in. And so they would quelch some of the desires of their heart and offer them at the sacrifice of fitting in. My hope for you these next 21 days is that you learn to hear from the Lord. He's the voice you need to be listening to. My prayer while I've been fasting is that you'll get the answers to your prayers. That you'll feel His presence in a way that you've never felt before. Do you believe that can happen? I do. When you humbly submit yourself to the Lord. But, faith is the first step. You have to believe that God is going to do what He promised to do, which is give you the desires of your heart when they line up with His will. Pray to that end. Pray big, bold, audacious prayers. Trusting that God's going to do something for you. He will. Might not be after 21 days. Might be after 21 years. Do you have the sort of tenacity to pray the same prayer for 21 years? Imagine if the Israelites would have stopped when they were heading into the promised land on day number six instead of day number seven when God blew the trumpets. Don't stop in your 21 days. Keep praying. Keep believing. Fervency. It's not a type of personality. This is a type of obedience. Choose to believe that God's going to answer your prayer. Amen? Let's pray. God, we believe your word. We're here today to submit ourselves to it. We want to hear from you. God, I'm trusting that you'll do what only you can do, which is give people strength and courage to pray for big, bold prayers, to expect answers. God, I believe over these next 21 days, marriages are going to be restored. I believe finances are going to be fixed. I believe addictions are going to be broken in Jesus' name. I believe there's power in Your Word that as we get closer to You, we'll understand this power given to us through the Holy Spirit. We have not because we ask not God. Right now I'm asking on behalf of each one of the folks here today. And the biggest prayer I have right now is that you trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. Your life can only be changed when you submit your life to Him. I know there are people in this room who have maybe been to church their whole lives, 
and they have yet to really submit their life to God, to really trust in His name. If that's you this morning, I want to give you a chance to do that. To say, I'm done running. I'm done doing life my own way. I'm, I'm ready to give it over to God. Heard what you said. I believe God can change my life. I want that. If that's you, the Bible says, just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you'll be saved. So I'd invite you just to pray with me where you're sitting in your heart. Say, God, I'm sorry. Sorry I've sinned. Sorry I've done life my way. But I believe in Jesus that He died for me, that He rose from the dead, and now He takes away all my sin. Thank You for saving me. Help me live for you. God, I thank you for new life. I thank you for new years. I thank you for new opportunities. I'm excited to hear what you will do by the power of your name over these next 21 days. We believe in all good, positive answers in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen.